This podcast is intended as general information only and is not to be relied upon as legal, financial, or professional advice. A professional advisor should be consulted regarding your specific situation. It is also not an offer to sell or purchase Edgepoint Investment Funds. The greatest game of basketball anyone ever played took place on March 2nd, 1962. Wilt Chamberlain of the Philadelphia Warriors scored 100 points in a single game. His whole 1961-1962 season was remarkable as he averaged more than 50 points a game. Both records remain intact five decades later and may never be broken. So what happened that year? Chamberlain did something unusual. He decided to shoot his foul shots underhanded. It's often referred to as the granny shot because it looks like you're shooting the way a granny would. No offense to the grandmothers out there. If you ask the experts, they will tell you that shooting underhanded is a better way to make foul shots. Your arms hang straight down, which is more natural, and your muscles don't tense up. The granny shot has a larger margin of safety because the ball lands softer when it hits the rim, giving it a better chance of bouncing in the basket. During his first two seasons in the league, Chamberlain had the same issue that many seven-foot basketball players have. He was a terrible free throw shooter. But in the greatest year of his career, he tried something unconventional and it worked spectacularly. The night Chamberlain scored 100 points, he made 28 out of 32 free throw shots, another record. Without the free throws, there would be no 100 point game. But the story doesn't end here. What do you think happened in the following season? Chamberlain stopped shooting underhanded and went back to being a terrible foul shooter. If Chamberlain had simply shot the same free throw percentage every year of his career as he did in that 1961-62 season, he would have scored an extra 1,346 points. So instead of being the seventh highest scoring player of all time, he would have ended up finishing his career ahead of Michael Jordan. Here's the thing, Chamberlain had every incentive in the world to stick with his unconventional approach. He shattered scoring records using the granny shot, but the social pressure of standing out from the crowd was too much to handle. In his autobiography, Chamberlain would later write, I felt silly, like a sissy shooting underhanded. I know I was wrong. I know some of the best foul shooters in history shoot that way. I just couldn't do it. In case you're wondering, of the hundreds of players in the NBA today, nobody uses the granny shot. The pressure to conform is real. In this commentary, we'll explore another deceptively simple but effective idea that's difficult to do in practice, investing differently from everyone else. Rules of the game. In the stock market, the collective view of the investing public is already reflected in the current price. In the short term, you might be able to make money investing without insight, but over time, the stock market factors in all common knowledge. Investing in company X just because it makes a great product or it trades at a low multiple of earnings isn't an insight if everybody knows the same information you do. For example, let's say you went to a grocery store and you noticed a big lineup outside. 
Everyone in your neighborhood is stockpiling sanitizers and toilet paper. Investing in the grocery store must be a good investment idea, right? The problem with this idea is that everyone else can see the same lineups outside their grocery store. As a result, although it may seem, seem compelling on the surface, this fact would already be reflected in the current stock price. We believe investing is most successful when it's most businesslike. Simply put, we look to invest in competitively advantaged businesses with long runways for growth that are run by capable managers. Unfortunately, simply identifying a superior business is not enough to generate superior long-term returns. If you want to have an edge, you should only invest when you have an idea about a company that is not widely shared by others. We call this having a proprietary insight. Now, going back to the earlier example, you might have a view that COVID-19 will cause a permanent change in people's preferences. For example, even after the vaccine rollout, maybe people are gonna choose to eat at home more often rather than go to restaurants. That would be considered a differentiated view that potentially could lead to an attractive investment opportunity. But if you can't explain what you know about a business that others already don't, you probably shouldn't make the investment. So if all it takes to succeed as investing is having a proprietary insight, why doesn't everyone do it? Sticking to the game plan. Investing in a business when you have an idea that is different from others is deceptively simple, easy to understand, but hard to execute in practice. The investment approach we've described dates back to Bob Kremble, one of Edgepoint's founders. It's been successfully employed over the past five decades at multiple organizations and across multiple market cycles. To illustrate some historical applications of the approach, we can look at the growth of the Taurus Fund and Trimark Fund, now known as the Invesco Global Companies Fund, both of which were managed according to the same investment approach between 1972 and 2007. The Taurus Fund managed to almost triple the returns of the MSCI World Index from the end of 1971 to April 1981. The Trimark Fund doubled the returns of the MSCI World Index between September 1981 and the end of 2007. I think we would all agree that the approach has delivered pleasing long-term returns for investors. But here's the catch. The approach doesn't work every day every month, or even every year. That's the difficult part. You have to be willing to look wrong in the short term in order to be right in the long term. Now, it might sound counterintuitive, but the fact that our approach doesn't always work is a good thing for investors. If what we did worked all the time, everyone else would already be doing it and our returns would get competed away. The inevitable short-term underperformance makes it difficult for others to stick with the approach. Hence, the approach can endure. If you look at the history of the investment approach, it typically underperforms in markets where investors crowd into a small group of companies. We call this consensus thinking. This often happens during periods of extreme euphoria or fear in the market. By not owning the same businesses as everyone else, the approach can look foolish in the short term. Let's walk through some examples from the first three decades of the investment approach. 
During the first four years of the Taurus Fund, it didn't outperform the index. You might be wondering why. This was the nifty 50 era. Investors had a belief that all you had to do was buy the nifty 50 stocks regardless of price. They were called the one decision stocks because once bought, you never had to sell. If you bought the nifty 50 stocks at their peak in 1973, it would have taken a decade just to get your money back. During the first 20 years following the launch of the Trimark Fund in 1981, there were two major consensus thinking themes, buy Japan and buy the dot-com boom. In the 80s, when consensus thinking was to buy Japan, the belief was that Toyota was going to teach the rest of the world how to make cars forever, and everyone was going to buy Sony Walkmans and televisions. It's now 30 years later, and the Japanese stock market still hasn't recovered from its previous peak in 1989. 10 years later, people questioned the Trimark Fund's lack of information technology holdings. Dotcom companies were market darlings and money rushed into them. At the start of 2000s, the market realized that these businesses were in many cases overvalued and the panic selling resulted in many people losing their savings. So with an investment approach that has successfully navigated various times of consensus thinking, you might be thinking it was probably an easy time for Edgepoint to launch during the 2008-2009 global financial crisis. It wasn't. Edgepoint's opening tip. Many people look back at Edgepoint's early days and assume it was a pleasing time for us to invest. What is often forgotten is how scary the environment was and the herd-like behavior of the average investor. The consensus thinking was that we were on the verge of a global recession and the survival of many businesses was in doubt. In that environment, investors wanted to own businesses that made them feel safe. Buy Colgate because people still needed to brush their teeth. Campbell's soup must be a good investment because everyone's going to eat soup during a recession. While these sound like good ideas, the problem is everyone already knew the same thing about the businesses. Edgepoint took a different approach. We looked for businesses that we believed were just as likely to survive, but were priced like they weren't going to make it. We call those businesses non-obvious survivors. So what was the reward for Edgepoint taking an unconventional approach back then? From January 6, 2009 to March 9, 2009, the Edgepoint global portfolio declined by 22%. But it's the long-term results that matter. Investing in non-obvious survivors when everyone thought the sky was falling led to pleasing returns over the next decade. The Edgepoint Global Portfolio produced a 10-year cumulative total return of 337% following its November 2008 inception. In comparison, a basket of 13 popular safety businesses such as Johnson & Johnson, Pepsi, Kroger, Nestle & Unilever only returned 158% over the same period or about half the return of the Edgepoint Global Portfolio waiting for the rebound. Let's now fast forward to the present. As we just experienced, 2020 was another year where first panic and later euphoria resulted in investors flocking towards a small group of companies. During periods of uncertainty, the time horizon of the average investor tends to shrink dramatically. As a result, 
we think investors today are placing too much emphasis on the near-term prospects of businesses and ignoring many high-quality companies whose next three to six months might be uncertain, but whose next three to five years are highly predictable. Short-term uncertainty has nothing to do with survivability or growth. We own businesses that we believe will not only survive, but will be much bigger in the future. The problem is that we can't tell you with any precision what their revenues or profits are gonna be next quarter. But if you're willing to look out just a little bit further, the visibility on these businesses improves dramatically. In fact, the further out you look, the brighter the prospects of the companies become. Because the herd is focused on the next three or six months, they're ignoring many market-leading businesses that have the potential to be much bigger in the future where you're not being asked to pay for that future growth. Let's walk through a few examples of some businesses across our Edgepoint Global and Edgepoint Canadian portfolio to illustrate how we focus on long-term clarity rather than short-term uncertainty. While some of our businesses were impacted in the short term by the pandemic, we believe their long-term growth prospects remain intact. And in many cases, the pandemic actually accelerated their growth drivers, which should result in an even stronger set of businesses on the other side. Let's start with Middleby Corp, a global food service equipment industry leader. The stock sold off sharply this past year because investors were concerned about the restaurant sector slowdown. While there is a short-term impact to the business, Middleby has been gaining market share during the downturn as their smaller competitors struggle to survive. And if you take a longer-term view, we think restaurants are going to have to change the way they do business. Think about things like touchless pizza delivery, dark kitchens and connected kitchens. All the equipment is sold by Middleby. Another example is Philips. Philips is a leading provider in healthcare equipment and technology. In the short term, investors are worried about hospital budgets and the negative impact on elective surgeries. But Philips' long-term secular growth drivers remain intact. Every year, more people turn 60, which is resulting in increased demand for Philips products offerings. The pandemic has also highlighted the intense stress that the medical system faces. There simply aren't enough nurses and medical workers to handle the shifting demographics, and Philips is part of the solution. O'Reilly Auto Parts is a leading provider of aftermarket auto parts. This is a world-class company that's been on our watch list for close to two decades. When the U.S. went into lockdown last spring, investors got scared that shelter-in-place policies would result in fewer vehicles on the road. This gave us an opportunity to build a position in a high-quality business with a long runway for growth. We believe that personal vehicles were likely to steal market share from other forms of transportation, public transit, flights, and even ride-sharing. O'Reilly has lots of room to expand their footprint for many years to come. And finally, Fairfax Financial, a global property and casualty insurer. 2020 was a challenging year for the insurance industry as the pandemic resulted in elevated insurance claims. However, prior to COVID-19, the insurance industry was already making positive changes, and we believe the pandemic will accelerate this process. 
According to industry observers, the property casualty insurance industry is experiencing the strongest pricing environment in a generation. The CEO of Fairfax, Prem Watsa, seems to agree as he recently bought $150 million of Fairfax stock in the open market. Investors unwilling to look wrong in the short term don't invest in these type of companies because they might not seem like a good investment over the next few months. Fortunately, we can rely on our time-tested investment approach. Buzzer beaters. Our investment approach has added the most value for investors when it looked the most wrong in the short term. But if history is a guide, actions taken during these difficult and unpopular periods sow the seeds for pleasing long-term returns. Unlike Wilt Chamberlain, we're willing to look silly to other people because we believe it's the right choice to help our investors get to point B. The granny shot, much like our investment approach, might not always be appealing, but we believe it's effective. Investing against the crowd is hard, but like basketball, investing is a team sport and without the right partners, it would be impossible to do well. We're fortunate to have all-star partners who recognized the opportunity this past year and gave us more capital to put to work during the downturn. Thank you for your trust. We work hard every day to be worthy of it. Information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. This is not an endorsement or recommendation of any security. Edgepoint Investment Group may be buying or selling positions in securities mentioned. No endorsement of any third parties or their advice, opinions, information, products, or services is expressly given or implied by Edgepoint Investment Group. This podcast contains certain statements that may be deemed forward-looking, Please note that any such statements are not guarantees of any future performance results, and the actual results or market developments may differ materially from these statements. The whole or any parts of this podcast may not be reproduced, copied, transmitted, or disclosed to third parties without the consent of Edgepoint Investment Group.